Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening from Washington. What a day. A lot of breaking news tonight, and that's on top of even more big developments all day long. In just the last hour or so, new reporting on the president and his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, who he publicly shamed yet again today, According to the Washington Post, Russia's special counsel Mueller is focusing on the first time the president did that, uh, did that, if you remember, back last summer, and whether it was or is part of an attempt to obstruct justice. Also, the sudden departure of White House Communications Director Hope Hicks and late word on a presidential berating she got in the run-up to it. A source telling CNN that he's furious. Hicks told the House Intelligence Committee that she's lied on his behalf. White lies, she's called them, whatever that is. In addition, tonight, an exclusive conversation with Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein about what they are seeing in this White House and the inevitable comparisons with Watergate and the Nixon administration. They don't talk about it often. Tonight, they will in depth. We begin, though, with CNN's Jim Acosta at the White House. Jim, I understand you have some new reporting about Hope Hicks and Mueller's investigation as well. Uh, That's right, Anderson. A former uh, Trump campaign official uh, told me earlier today uh, that uh, during this ex-aides sessions with uh, Robert Mueller's team over the special counsel's office, uh, that comments made previously by Hope Hicks, uh, the White House communications director, who is now the outgoing communications director, uh, came up uh, during these uh, meetings uh, with uh, Mueller's team as well as uh, with investigators in the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Now, Anderson, uh, this former Trump campaign official says uh, what is at issue here is what Hicks told the New York Times uh, in November of 2016. That was just two days after the election uh, when Hope Hicks was asked by the New York Times about Trump campaign contacts with the Russians. Uh, in the New York Times, uh, Hope Hicks is quoted as saying, we are not aware of any campaign representatives that were in touch with any foreign entities uh, before yesterday. Uh, when Mr. Trump spoke with many world leaders, those discussions were congratulatory and forward-looking, according to this former Trump campaign official uh, who has spoken with Mueller's team, Anderson, uh, the investigators with the special counsel's office have asked uh, whether or not uh, Hicks's comment was accurate and whether she, in fact, knew uh, whether there were Trump campaign contacts uh, with the Russians, uh, given the fact that we've seen uh, many of those contacts have come to light uh, in recent months. Now, we should point out uh, you know, this this is obviously just one part of the investigation. And according to this former Trump campaign official, not only is uh, Robert Mueller's team interested in all of this, but so is the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. So do we know why she resigned or if she resigned? Was she fired? I mean, if, if yeah. the president was berating her, uh, you know, obviously she said the things about telling white lies yesterday on Capitol Hill. What do we know about what actually happened? Well, according to a White House official I spoke with uh, earlier today, uh, there was nothing nefarious, quote unquote, about Hicks's departure, uh, that uh, th- there was some movement towards this in recent weeks. 
according to this White House official, this had nothing to do with Rob Porter. Uh, this had nothing to do with the comments that she made yesterday to the House Intelligence Committee uh, when she said uh, that it, from time to time she has to tell little white lies on behalf of the president. Uh, what this official did not say to me was that this did not have anything to do with the Mueller investigation. Obviously, we'll have to see if that comes to light later on. Uh, but uh, according to this White House official, this is something that has been building up for some time. It's something that she wanted to do. And as you saw, uh, the White House put out uh, glowing statements from the president and the chief of staff praising Hope Hicks. Uh, and the president, in fact, in one of in his statement, uh, Anderson left the door open to working with Hope Hicks in the future. Keep in mind, the president just announced his new campaign manager this week for the 2020 election. Uh, he may have a communications director in mind for that campaign. It does seem weird, though, that today of all days, suddenly, you know, it's the decision to announce that she's going to go pursue other opportunities. I mean, the president had this big bipartisan meeting uh, on on guns, which I assume the White House would want to have a lot of focus on. And then it was just shortly after that meeting that the Hope Hicks news broke and basically has sort of dwarfed that meeting. Uh, I think it just goes to show the White House needs a new communications director, Anderson. If you were the communications director, you would not schedule things in this fashion. Obviously, you don't want uh, the departure, the sudden departure of a key White House official. And, and nobody was closer to President Trump uh, than Hope Hicks. And that includes uh, the president's own family. Uh, she was frequently, uh, and she probably still is and will be over the coming weeks, uh, frequently in the residence here at the White House with the president uh, early in the morning, late at night. Uh, dealing with him on all sorts of issues, in particular dealing with the news media. Uh, we know that all too well, dealing with hope uh, behind the scenes. Uh, but Anderson, obviously, this stepped all over the president's, all over the president's message today on gun control. Uh, here we thought the most remarkable thing that happened today would be that gun control meeting over here at the White House, when in fact it was the departure of his communications director. Anderson. Yeah, or, or take your pick, or going after his attorney general uh, yet again. Or any of those things, yes, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jim Acosta, thanks for reporting with me here. It's Jen yeah. Psaki, David Chalian, and Gloria Borger. Um, I mean, Gloria, it is hard to overstate the importance of Hope Hicks. I mean, people at home, uh, may, you know, maybe they've seen pictures of her, but, but, I mean, during the campaign, I remember doing interviews with, with then-candidate Trump, and it would be, the, it seemed like the whole campaign for a while was just Trump, Corey Lewandowski, and oh, Hope Hicks. Totally. She's, she's always been around. She's the Trump whisperer. She is completely 100% loyal. She's young. And um, she is, as one source said to me, is very close to Trump. He said she is his emotional support. Period. That's what he has. And he predicted to me, with some trepidation, that without her there, the president would go into what he called a tailspin. Well, because it's not only now that she's gone, his, you know, former, uh, you know, body man, security guard, uh, who's been with him Keith forever Schilling. and ever, Keith mm -hmm. Schilling, he, he's also left. He's also gone. So when you look at the people he was close to originally, you had, you know, Corey Lewandowski, he was close to uh, Hope Hicks. Keith Schiller, uh, and, uh, you know, he's got problems with Jared now, which means he probably has problems with Ivanka, and uh, Melania hasn't been happy with him uh, because of the Stormy Daniels story. So this is a president who is more and more isolated, sort of on the on the personal side, really. Kelly, the, General Kelly is cutting off his phone conversations with all of his old friends. So... He's kind and, of and alone. David, I mean, a, a, a source uh, told uh, CNN, uh, a source close to the White House told CNN that, that the president berated 
Pope Hicks about the statement that she had made yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we know that this president responds to the headlines and the news coverage that he consumes. And it was a terrible day of news coverage for Hope Hicks between her testimony last night and the, you know, I mean, everywhere this morning was like, Hope Hicks, White House Communications Director who speaks on behalf of the President of the United States, white lies. You know, I mean, it was just everywhere. Uh, So it does not surprise me that he would uh, have some concern about how bad the news coverage was over that. I'm sure that's not the reason, as our reporting indicates. uh, The, you know, the Rob Porter situation was obviously not easy for uh, for Hope Hicks to go through as she was in a relationship with him. Uh, This has been building, but you were talking about the emotional crutch that she is for the president. She is so also, I, I don't know how to convey, but so close to the president. I mean, have any no communication staffer in any White House that I know of, Jen could correct me if I'm wrong, would spend as much time in the Oval Office with the president at the president's side as Hope Hicks did. She also was so emotionally invested in this, which is why I think we hear of this being a rather sort of emotional, tearful goodbye that she was giving today, because she is a pure loyalist to the president. Jen, I mean, you were a White House communications director. You know the job. Uh, what do you make of this departure? Well, one, I think, uh, you know, there's no question Hope, at, by all accounts, played a very important role in this White House, but it wasn't as the communications director. She really was the tamer of the savage beast that is Donald Trump. That's a very important role because she protected many people on the staff from his whims and his mood swings. Um, but, you know, the communications director and the role of the communications director is not to print off cable coverage or print off tweets. That's not entirely her fault. In large part, I think it's because Donald Trump is the communications director and he's not going to allow somebody to serve in that role. So her departure is significant because, as we've all touched on on this panel, it leaves a major emotional gap in the White House for Trump, but also, I think, for a lot of the staff. And when people like that leave, you can start to see things come apart at the seams. You know, you always need somebody with a president who you can go to and say, what's what's his mood today? What's he what's he feeling like? I mean, a lot we need of to get this know. done. We need to get this. done. A right. lot of people know because they read his tweets in the morning before <clears throat> they get in and they know his mood. But you need somebody who kind of gets it. And she's that person. So we got to ask uh, the, again, the president publicly shaming his own attorney general. I mean, this is so I mean, bizarre. I mean, it's happened before, but it seems like now it's happening again. I mean, it, it's. It's got to be embarrassing for Jeff Sessions. It's got to be humiliating for Jeff Sessions, yet he continues to hang in. He does hang in, and he issued this statement today that he was defending the Constitution. But I, I think he has become sort of the Kate McKinnon version on SNL of him. I mean, it is the, the I cannot think of a cabinet member or a senior member of an administration to have to suffer this kind of public humiliation for an entire year now, Anderson. This is his handpicked attorney general. Jeff Sessions was one of the first statewide elected officials who was on board with Trump in the primaries and really went out there for him, campaigned all across the country. So it, again, I think is a lesson about the one-way street of loyalty. But it also White comes House. on a day now the Washington Post is, has been reporting, and we're going to talk to the, one of the reporters on that story, that Mueller is actually looking into the past comments, the public shaming that President Trump did of his attorney general to see if it's part of an obstruction of justice to basically get rid of him and put in somebody more compliant uh, to oversee the Russia investigation. Which you have to imagine there's sort of an emotional switching going on in Donald Trump's head. Do I keep him? I sort of control him. I've made him the incredible shrinking Jeff Sessions. Do I try to get somebody else? If you're Jeff Sessions, you're at the end of your career and you are thinking, I want to leave on my terms, which is probably what is going on with Rex Tillerson, what's going on with Jared Kushner, a number of people in that White House. But what he has allowed Trump to do is to minimize him and make him look like a... But but he's also, I mean, 
of all the, the people that the president has around him, in terms of somebody who's actually executing conservative agenda. He's, for this, it. he's actually exactly, doing it. He's putting in, it doesn't get a lot of news coverage, but I mean, he's actually doing it. But even sure. when he does it, sort of saying we're going to crack down on leaks, people people are reporting as if, oh, he's just trying to, to, uh, to get in with the president again. He's trying to get on his good side. When, in fact, Jeff Sessions is a real conservative. But I'll tell you what, today, Jeff Sessions did, for the first time, come out punching a little bit. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to do him that much good, but he did defend the Department of Justice. He did release a statement saying we're doing the right thing by sending this to the, uh, you know, to the inspector general. The inspector general can clearly refer things for criminal prosecution. And he publicly said something, which he hasn't done That's in true. the past. Yeah. So maybe he's making progress. All right. We're gonna, as I said, we're <laughs> going to talk to the Washington Post reporter, uh, one of them who broke this story coming up. Uh, our breaking coverage continues from Washington tonight. Hope Hicks's rise from Hope Who to a key position in the Trump campaign and the Trump administration. Later, my exclusive conversation with two individuals who have seen and reported on so many pivotal stories here. Perspective on all of this from Bob Woodward uh, and Carl Bernstein. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Yet more now on something Gloria Borger mentioned a moment ago, an apparent show of solidarity between Attorney General Sessions and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. This is video of them leaving the Department of Justice together. Axios is reporting they dined together again as a show of solidarity. That's on top of all the rest. Hope Hicks joining a long list of former people who've done the job or been named to it is just the latest chapter in a story We've never seen in Washington before. She's never held a job like this before, never worked at the White House before, never worked in Washington, never been questioned by a special counsel nor a congressional committee. She's at the center of a scandal over security clearances that led to the departure of a top White House staffer whom she was dating at the time. All in all, Hope Hicks, her story is quite a story, and it's not over yet. More now from Randy Kay. I'm 28 years old, and I am the press secretary for the Donald J. Trump for President campaign. It was a swift rise for Hope Hicks, who went from modeling and acting early on to handling PR for Ivanka Trump's fashion line after college. By 2014, Hicks was managing communications for the Trump Organization. And soon her job would change again. She used to be in my real estate company. I said, what do you know about politics? She said, absolutely nothing. I say, congratulations, you're into the world of politics, right? Hicks told New York Magazine, Mr. Trump looked at me and said, I'm thinking about running for president and you're going to be my press secretary. During the campaign, Hicks reportedly had a note from candidate Trump above her desk that read simply, Hopi, you're the greatest. Hope, get up here. She's always on the phone talking to the reporters, trying to get the reporters to straighten out their dishonest stories. Hicks had zero political experience, yet she was almost always by Donald Trump's side. Through it all, her voice rarely heard in public. She didn't even release a statement after a very public screaming match with former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski. And at this campaign event in Alabama, she seemed hesitant even to just say a few words. Hi. Merry Christmas, 
everyone. And thank you, Donald Trump. With her position in the White House, Hicks gained access to the world stage, taking part in this intimate gathering with the Pope and also the Japanese prime minister's state banquet, where Hicks stole the spotlight in her black tuxedo. Her access to the president put her at the center of several key investigations, too. On Russia, she's been interviewed by special prosecutor Robert Mueller's team multiple times. Just yesterday, she was in front of the House Intelligence Committee answering questions for about eight hours, admitting that sometimes she was required to tell white lies in the Trump administration, but insisting she never lied about substantive matters. So much stuff goes through her as the conduit between outsiders and the president that she really sits in a particularly important seat for Mueller. And Hicks was also involved in the aftermath of Don Jr.'s meeting with the Russian lawyer at Trump Tower last year. On board Air Force One, helping craft the now infamous press release, claiming the meeting was about adoption. We've since learned it was really about dirt on Hillary Clinton. Hope Hicks also helped craft the initial White House response to allegations of domestic abuse by now former top aide Rob Porter, with whom she was romantically involved. Porter denied the allegations and resigned. Now the woman who rarely says a word in public will be taking her silence with her as she departs the White House. Randy Kay, CNN, New York. More now on her departure, which follows her testimony to the House Intelligence Committee. Joining us now, a Democratic member of that committee, Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas. Thanks so much for, for being with oh, us. Oh, thanks for having me here. Um, CNN is reporting tonight that Hope Hicks said that the kind of white lies that she was talking about uh, were things like telling people that Trump was in a meeting when he wasn't or spinning news favorably for her boss. Can you say anything more about what she meant by white lies? No. Uh, and it, the indication was that it was basically small stuff, mm -hmm. that it wasn't substantive stuff. And actually, because I heard Congressman Rooney about 30 minutes ago describe the question, the question was actually, has the president ever asked you to lie? Uh, it was not whether you've ever lied for the president. Mm -hmm. uh, what we were trying to get at is, is the president's actions and behavior in that question. I mean, her resignation does come a day after testifying before the committee that you're on. Do you think the two are in any way related? Uh, quite possibly. Also with the reporting that the president may have berated her right. for being honest, really. But, you know, I, I told a few people yesterday because they asked me, what was your impression of her? <clears throat> and there was a point there where when she was going through that series of questions that her face almost looked as if she was saying, you know, why did I ever get involved with these people, hmm. with Donald Trump? Um, that was the sense. That was my sense when I was looking at her as she was struggling to answer these questions. You know, why did I ever get involved with this? And remember, she was not involved in politics before the president asked her to become part of a very consequential, the biggest campaign you can join, a right. presidential campaign. And as the president said, she said she knew nothing about politics right. before he decided to, to make her the press secretary and now obviously the communications director. Um, I mean, do you believe that the committee should subpoena her? I mean, because she, she basically did not answer, as many people have before this committee, right. she refused to answer questions uh, uh, basically citing executive privilege, as I understand. Yeah, she did cite executive privilege, but it went beyond that. Even when there was a question where it was clear that would, the answer would not be covered by executive privilege. I saw something yesterday that I hadn't seen before, which is for her lawyer to say, uh, we'll take that under advisement or we're just not going to answer that question. And that was the first time that somebody came in, an attorney, and was that arrogant about flouting uh, the jurisdiction of the committee. The only way to actually subpoena her is if the Republicans on the committee agree that's to right. it, and that seems unlikely. I mean, yeah. they, they don't seem to show any willingness. Yeah, I mean, you asked me what I think we should do. I think if we're doing a fair job and a thorough job, we ought to subpoena her. 
if she comes in on subpoena and doesn't answer those questions still, then you would hold her in contempt. Then, at that point, you go in front of a court and a judge decides what happens. Because, I mean, in a White House where... Um, I mean, I don't think the, the departure of a communications, uh, you know, director like this or somebody a close assistant to the president would be such a big story if this White House wasn't organized in the disorganized way that it is, where people, there aren't necessarily clear lanes or, I mean, there right. at least initially there weren't. It's, it's, it's certainly clear. And up she a admitted bit. as much. You know, she mentioned that when you work for Donald Trump, you work for Donald Trump, that he has the final say above the campaign manager, above the chief of staff above everybody else. Mm, fascinating. Uh, Congressman Castro, thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Uh, when we continue, breaking news from the Washington Post, Robert Mueller looking into the circumstances last summer when President Trump seemed determined to fire Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Also later, a special conversation with Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein of Watergate Renown. Their reporting for the Washington Post, of course, played a key role in the unraveling of a president. We'll get their take on what's happening now. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Well, it's another one of those nights. More breaking news. The Washington Post reporting that special counsel Robert Mueller is taking a look at the time last summer when President Trump seemed determined to fire Attorney General Jeff Sessions, publicly humiliating him as he did today. Did that amount, though, to a potential obstruction of justice? I've spoke, spoken to a Washington Post reporter, Josh Dossie, right before he went on air. Josh, what can you tell us about Mueller's interest regarding Attorney General Sessions and President Trump? Right. So Special Counsel Mueller has shown intense interest in a period this summer in late July where President Trump uh, was publicly shaming uh, Jeff Sessions, saying that he was disappointing him. He was calling him beleaguered on Twitter. And behind the scenes, he was frequently fuming about the Russia investigation and the attorney general. Uh, what Special Counsel Mueller's investigation is trying to discern is whether in those conversations he was trying to fire Jeff Sessions or push Jeff Sessions out so he could exert more control over the investigation. As we've reported and others have countless times, uh, the president is very very upset that Jeff Sessions recused himself, wanted an attorney general who was more loyal, did not think he should have recused himself. And in these efforts, the special counsel uh, wants to know, uh, was he trying to fire Jeff Sessions so he could put someone in who uh, would, would handle the investigation differently? So essentially, Mueller's looking at, is, was this part of an attempt to obstruct justice, to, to get somebody who's more pliable, more, to, more an ally of the right. president in that position? Right. I think that's an accurate distillation, Anderson. Uh, our reporting indicates that, you know, over many months, there are a number of uh, instances, occasions of firing of Jim Comey uh, being one, uh, the statement on Air Force One uh, that AIDS crafted that uh, was misleading about a meeting at Trump Tower, uh, where the special counsel wants to know, was there an effort to obstruct justice or obstruct this probe? Uh, as uh, was reported last month, uh, there was even an effort at one point that the president was thinking about firing Mueller. So there are a number of instances, including uh, this uh, attempt to uh, oust Jeff Sessions or to shame Jeff Sessions in the summer that fit into a broader narrative of was there any obstruction here by the president or his people? I mean, and, of course, this, this story comes on a day when the president is continuing to publicly go after his attorney right. general in rather extraordinary ways. I mean, the period of time that Mueller's looking at, according to your reporting, right. there was a remarkable amount of public vitriol coming from the president and aimed at Sessions. 
Right. There were several days of relentless tweets, relentless public comments. Uh, Trump's aides uh, were in the media anonymously uh, asking uh, for Jeff Sessions to essentially quit. Uh, one of the things we reported today in our story, Anderson, is that the pressure has been so hot on Jeff Sessions and the criticism so sharp uh, that his aides actually last month uh, pitched in and bought him a bulletproof vest and put his name on it uh, because of the first year he's had with President Trump and jokingly suggested that he might should wear it to work. Mm. You're also learning about the kinds of things that the president says to others about the attorney general. Right. Right. He's very derisive about uh, Attorney General Sessions. Uh, one of the comments he likes to make uh, is referring to him as Mr. Magoo, uh, the 1950s era comic character that was short-sighted and bumbling uh, and was not seen as uh, uh, particularly uh, intelligent. Uh, he likes to refer to him as a Mr. Magoo. Uh, and that's caught several advisors of his by surprise, uh, you know, to have conversations with him where he's referring to his attorney general as Mr. Magoo. Mm. I always thought Mr. Magoo was kind of sweet, but anyway, that's just my personal <laughs> remembrance. I don't think of him. President Trump thinks Jeff Sessions is very sweet. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Nor do, I guess he doesn't like Mr. Magoo either. <laughs> uh, Josh Dossie, thanks very much. Fascinating reporting. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, when it comes to political investigative reporting, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, of course, set the standard. Their work for The Washington Post during the Watergate scandal was in the 1970s, played a huge role in the downfall of President Nixon. The reporting won the Pulitzer Prize for public service, and their landmark book, All the President's Men, became an equally landmark movie. Today, Bob and Carl are both acclaimed authors. Bob is also an associate editor of The Washington Post, and Carl is a CNN political analyst. And on this night of a great deal of breaking news, I'm very happy to have both of them with me here in Washington. Thanks so much for being with us. It's Thank you. First of all, just what do you make of The Washington Post report that the special counsel is now looking at President, and we're asking questions at least, about President Trump's beratement of his own attorney general last summer? Well, it would be logical that they would. And if you talk to people who go and they're interviewed by uh, Mueller's people, lots of FBI agents, uh, sometimes the interviews run 10, 12 hours, so they're going to ask every question. I don't think you can... Uh, draw a conclusion from it. From other what questions? Than to, Some of it is just checking off. I mean, it would be remiss if they didn't ask. Yes, and, and somebody may, because, you know, they're in a position where they have to tell the truth, that um, they're going to be, you know, careful, or they may be forthcoming with some lead. So uh, I think it's part of the puzzle and the matrix we're seeing in, in all of this. Uh, on the, I mean, again, on a day, normally that would probably be the lead story on this day, though we've also had, obviously, this meeting on gun control, Hope Hicks uh, stepping down. What do you, when you both look at this White House, just in terms of um, the way it's organized, the way it is run, have you ever seen a White House like this? No. And I think what's going on now, there are two stories that are coming together. There's the Mueller investigation. There's the Russian story uh, and the possibility of collusion and the possibility of obstruction of justice. But there is now a subtext that people in the White House will say to you, it is unclear to them whether Donald Trump can effectively govern, whether he's capable of it in terms of his own abilities conduct and whether or not things are have gotten to the point where the wheels are coming off of this presidency. We don't know that, but certainly people in the White House are openly with each other and with journalists raising those kinds of questions. It, it's not clear who has 
authority or what authority and there's it, and it's been that way from the beginning yeah, it, it, indeed but you know as people disappear like hope hicks was you know one of the Being sidekicks circle, yeah. uh and Got i remember talking to her about what job she was going to take uh after the election and she said i just don't want to be involved in the hand-to-hand combat of the daily coverage and she did step back from that and now uh, you know, off she goes. So yeah, I mean, lots of people are going, going or uh, have gone or may go. It, 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 I've just been rereading uh, the final days of uh, an amazing book you guys wrote about the, the the last year of the Nixon administration. Obviously, we we've been very careful about comparisons to Watergate, obviously as, as both of you have. But just in terms of, did President Nixon have anybody who was as close to him as Hope Hicks as? Jared Kushner as Ivanka Trump. I mean, in that sort of inner circle. Well, I think one of the realities of all presidents is they have the disease of isolation, Mm. that there is not that kind of uh, where people come in and actually tell the full story. And so presidents become protected and disconnected, and I think that's happening. In One of the other things that is similar, there are many similarities with Watergate, and there are also a, a truckload of things that are very different. But one of the similarities are people around the President of the United States who try to restrain the worst instincts of the president, in both Nixon's case and in Trump's case, although it's more egregious, I think, even in Trump's case. But we now have in the White House, Kelly, over at the Defense Department, Mattis, we have a group of people around the president of the United States whose almost primary function is to keep them in line to keep him from doing things that might be dangerous in their eyes. It's an extraordinary... And you go to the final days where in the last year of the Nixon presidency, there were concerns along those lines. But it's awful early in the game in a new administration for this to be happening now. One forgets, General... I mean, he had a chief of staff who was a general who was relatively new... General Haig. General Haig. Relatively new in the the administration. Was Haig's role similar to the role that Kelly's been playing? Well, we're, we're... we're seeing. I mean, I remember uh, the month after Nixon resigned, we, Carl and I went to his house. house in the old knocking on the door at night. <laughs> you just showed trick. up. We just showed, showed up. up. His, son, his son let us in. His, his son let us in, <laughs> and then Haig came back from the British embassy in his tuxedo. I'm sure he was thrilled that his son he, had he, yeah, he was, yeah, a, he was a happy guy. <laughs> his son lost uh, four weeks of allowance or something. Uh-huh. But then Haig told us. It was astonishing interview. He said he was so worried about Nixon that Nixon might take his life that he took away Nixon's pills that at one point Nixon said, in your business, Al, meaning the Army, they leave a revolver in In the drawer. And so it got to... Now, I don't think we would suggest at all in any way that getting to that point. But the emotional... Distress right. and toll that a president under investigation, where there are continuous stories. I think, by and large, the stories are really well done. Mm-hmm. But how do you think Trump looks at this? It's piling on. Right. It's right. unfair. It's a witch how hunt. How come they're doing this? It's it, it's a witch hunt by Mueller. It's a witch hunt right. by the press. And so we've got to be careful about being as accurate and 
adopting a tone of that's repertorial rather right. than adversarial. Accusatorial. Uh, it's interesting, though, the, you're talking about the emotional toll it takes on a president and the isolation. In some ways, and well, uh, let me ask, comparing the, the stress that Nixon was under and the complexity of the Watergate investigation with this investigation, which actually involve, potentially involves his children, uh, you know, his, his closest friends, his finances, his past business dealings, is this almost more complex for this president and, and perhaps even closer to home? Well, they're both very emotional events for each president of the United States. And one reacts one way and the other. Nixon, Nixon reacted. He was presiding over a criminal cover-up. Right, but that's I mean, what Trish most Nixon his, wasn't yes, being called in front but of But that's a, what know. most of his efforts, I think, went into. Whereas Trump, we see Trump's reactions every day. And yes, he is under siege and he thinks and feels and believes he is unfairly under siege. Did you, do you wish that Nixon had Twitter back then? Because in terms of a real-time Rorschach test of what is happening in the president's mind, I mean, the Twitter allows you know, it. If, if, if that's really a full picture of what's going on in, in Trump's mind, I don't think it is. I think God, thank God Nixon didn't have Twitter. But he had uh, the tapes. Yeah, he had the tapes, <laughs> which, which we... would always be secret. Right. And then there are thousands of hours... And if, if you listen to these things, and, and Carl and I do this, uh, you know, <laughs> we, somewhat obsessively for the historical lesson in it, it's appalling. Hmm. What Nixon used the presidency as an instrument of personal revenge. And uh, if, as Carl says, the criminality was staggering. We don't know where this investigation goes. And um, in the final days, right. we wrote about the firing of Archibald right, which Cox, I wanna, who is the special prosecutor. I want to ask you about that next. I get a quick break in. We'll have more uh, from uh, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved. And uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're joined again by Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, the Washington Post reporters who broke the Watergate story wide open back in the 70s. I wanted to, oh, I just want to play a clip from the movie made from uh, your guys' book, All the President's Men. You've probably seen this. I've watched it probably several hundred times. Uh, it became a catchphrase for investigators worldwide. Take a look. You tell me what you know, and I'll confirm I'll keep you in the right direction if I can, but that's all. Just follow the money. Hal Holbrook, I think, playing uh, the character. Um, this is Deep Throat, who was Mark Feld, right, who was number Mark, two. Right, from the FBI. FBI. Um, do you... I mean, this is kind of a dumb question, but do you miss the days when you were talking to sources in dark garages? Or maybe you still do well, that. Do you guys we still both, do that? We both do. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I go out and move a flower pot in our backyard. <laughs> you still, you still do that. Right. Right. And the gardener shows up. <laughs> but but in, in All the President's Men, you write extensively about, um, I don't want to use the actual term, it was rat effing, uh, which was a term that uh, the Nixon team had for basically messing around with election campaigns. It, it is amazing when you think about that compared to the Russia's efforts, I mean, which is rat effing on a major scale. Both of these events, Watergate was about 
Richard Nixon's attempt to undermine the electoral system of the United States, the most basic element of American democracy, underwrite the right to vote. Because what the object of all that political espionage and sabotage was, was Nixon wanted to run against George McGovern, the weakest candidate the Democrats could put up. He did not want to run against the strongest candidate, Edmund Muskie. And he and his aides set out to devise this vast campaign of political espionage and sabotage to undercut and destroy the Muskie campaign, and they succeeded. And, of course, the allegations of, quote, collusion and what the Russians tried to do was to determine the outcome of an American election, to affect an American election. So in both cases, and Bob, uh, you, ironically you enough, you're dealing with the same allegation in well, some way. Well, Nixon succeeded, as Carl pointed out, but we don't know the impact of the, the Russian right, meddling. Exactly. And, and that's a, a big issue and maybe uh, we'll never know. Right. And we don't know... I mean, there's, there's so much noise out there and there's so much, you know... It, Oh, they determined the election. No, they didn't. Oh, half these ads that are uh, being questioned actually ran after the election and so could not affect the election. So it's a lot of work. And I think one of the points we agree on is that there's a lot of work that Mueller and the House and the Senate investigations need to do, but so does the media. Mm -hmm. And not just a reaction to the daily event, but doing the four-hour interviews, going and knocking on the door at night, meeting people, and really uh, establishing a relationship of trust so you can find out what they really know. One One other aspect, though, of this story that's very different, and that is Whatever the Russians did, and we might never find out what the effect was in terms of the election itself, they have destabilized us and continue to by this whole investigation and the fact that we are in this paroxysm of trying to deal with what they have done and the president's reaction to it, that the destabilization that has taken place through Russia's efforts is extraordinary. Did, did Watergate, um, you know, I've talked to people who were in the Clinton White House who said that President Clinton was able to compartmentalize uh, the investigations that were going on into him and governing. Uh, well, I guess it's an arguable point. Was, was, was Nixon able to do that? Because that's the, the, you know, the criticism that's been made against President Trump is that essentially there's been reporting, I think it was from the Washington Post and New York Times, that briefers are loath to bring up Russia to him because he takes it personally as a, as a delegitimizing and attempt to delegitimize his election. Well, it all, your point, it takes a toll. And you can't kind of, you know, particularly when you've got emotional people like Nixon was, right. like Trump is, and you, uh, the idea that you can kind of shut your... shut it down and then say, oh, yeah, now let's talk about the budget. Let's do this. I mean, some of that's going on. Uh, I, you know, you really wonder, and it's something that uh, 
we're, everyone needs to think about what is the governing impact? Are we right. being governed? I mean, all this discussion, oh, sure. we'll do this legislation, oh, we can't do that, we can't, I mean, maybe they're going to do none. Right. Well, I also want to put up a headline, one of your headlines from July uh, 1973, Nixon sees witch hunt insiders say, <laughs> which is just, I mean, it's the exact term. How did you find that? We're, you know, hardworking producers. Thank you. Um, but, but I mean, well, it, it's the, the, clearly that pushback was not effective for Nixon, but, uh, but he his, also tried to make secretary. the conduct of the press the issue in Watergate at the beginning, uh, but not right. to the extent. In fact, that, in fact I also want to play a clip of Nixon talking to uh, his press secretary, Ron Ziegler, on the phone. This is from December of 72. Let's just quickly play that. It's about the press. I want it clearly understood that from now on, ever, no reporter from the Washington Post is ever to be in the White House. Is that clear? Absolutely. It, unless it's a press conference. Yes, sir. In now, the briefings here, but... Uh, not a briefing. In, but in never, so never in the White House. No church service. Nothing that Mrs. Nixon does. You tell Connie, don't tell Mrs. Nixon, because she'll approve it. No reporter from the Washington Post is ever to be in the White House again. And no photographer either. Mm-hmm. No photographer. Is that clear? Yes, sir. None ever to be in. Now, that is a total order, and, the, and if, if necessary, I'll fire you. You understand? I, I do understand. Okay. It's about the wedding. Uh, yes, <laughs> but it's also about a mindset. Right. right. And that is... It's, this shows, again, that Nixon didn't understand the press. Mm. The answers to Watergate questions weren't in the White House. You're mm. not going to walk in and talk to right. those people. You have to go but, see them at night, and uh, you have to f- develop a method uh, and a, a technique of just saying, well, you know, we're not going to stop. And we had editors and owners at the Post who said... Don't stop. So much of the language, though, used by that Weiss, Ron Ziegler in 19, October of 72 said of your reporting, quote, I personally feel that this is shabby journalism by The Washington Post based totally on hearsay and innuendo, a blatant effort at character assassination. We hear this now time and time again about unnamed sources uh, from this administration attacking. Well, Richard, Richard Nixon always had an adversarial relationship with the press, going, going back to when he was a congressman, going back to when he was senator and vice president. What you have with Trump, though, Trump's career was built on manipulating the press, on having a great relationship with the New York Post and the New York Daily News. And you, even to the point where we know that Donald Trump impersonating someone who called himself John Barron would call in gossip stories about the beautiful blondes that he was going out with to Studio 54. He has been accustomed to having a fawning press. And now he has come to Washington. He has gotten caught up in his own uh, conduct, uh, which is there for all to see. question of whether it's criminal or not, we'll find out. But the, the question about his stability, the Republicans in Congress have asked, it's all out there. And he cannot believe that the press, which he wants so controlled, right. will go with these stories. And he just goes and says they're the enemy of the people because he can't do anything but, about but it. But he takes them seriously, and he believes lots of those stories right. that are critical That's because right. they're coming from people who work with him. Right. We've got to take another quick break. Um, more uh, with Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, the Trump presidency, the surprise to some people, not to uh, President Nixon. He and his wife saw it coming decades ago. President Trump has the letter to prove it. Uh, more from uh, both men next. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes Analyst, 
Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Back now with Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. You wrote in a piece in the Washington Post a couple weeks ago about the conflict, the, the growing conflict between President Trump and the Department of Justice. You said we're, uh, we're, the, your article began with we're here again. And, and it's interesting because President Nixon thought that his attorney general, Elliot Richardson, um, who was sort of from this, the eastern WASPy establishment, which Nixon didn't necessarily like, but he needed Richardson. But he sort of thought Richardson was going to be an ally of his. We tried to make him one, and he also, and this is an interesting contrast, that Nixon wanted to bring Richardson in kind of Mr. Straight Arrow uh, because he could redeem the Justice Department as Attorney General. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that was all part of trying to suck Richardson into the cover-up, which he wouldn't but, but, but Nixon, when he, uh, when he brought uh, Richardson to Camp David, if, if my memory serves me yeah. correct, uh, he had this talk with Richardson in which he said, A, don't take the job unless you think I'm innocent, uh, but you have to protect the presidency from the president. Um, so on the one hand, it's, he gave Richardson uh, hope that the, this investigation would be legit and independent, and at the same time, he was sort of asking for a loyalty test, it seems. Yes, but it, but it, all, it, it really was part of the cover-up. Yes. It was to bring Richardson in, and we know from the tapes and the things during this period, it was all a front. From the beginning. Well, I, yes, and from now, the beginning of, course, of Nixon's presidency. Mm-hmm. And this is the point that, there, you know, we've written about this. There were all kinds of wiretaps on reporters. Break-ins. Break-ins that the... Uh, uh, the ordered by Nixon. Mm. Ordered by Nixon and this this kind of whole idea of, ah, I won Democrats, you get the IRS, the FBI, the CIA. It, it was a, a, an assault on democracy in a, in a fundamental way. It's, extra- I mean, it's hard to imagine, even in this day, the criminality that was involved. It is, the- but what's so interesting to watch the Trump situation is another president assert that he has these extraordinary powers and has an authoritarian bent, certainly in his words, uh, that are suggestive of, of being willing to do all kinds of things. He might pull back from an illegal act, but the words uh, are really dangerous in terms of what he advocates and but, what but he, he does be- and what he believes. I mean, presidents well, he, can, yes. he, I mean, he, can, he can fire all these people. He, he can or he, or, sessions but, in a minute. Yeah, he, yeah. That's and his, and you, you see this buildup of hostility toward his own Justice Department, well, his own attorney general. It, uh, it, you know, at some do you, do you, point that's going to Stop. That's do, do you go think off. that's because I mean Sessions was one of his earliest supporters out on the campaign trail that he believed Sessions would be more of an ally and, and just as Nixon hoped Richardson would in part, but he has said aloud he and he says through the White House walking the halls and complaining to people about Sessions uh, that Sessions will not do his bidding mm-hmm. and Sessions appointed Rosenstein. Uh, and, and who appointed, who appointed Mueller uh, simply because 
uh, he fired, the president fired Comey. And it's, now... It's an explosive situation. And uh, at the same time, I mean, some, part of the remedy, if we can talk about remedy, uh, is some transparency. I mean, let's okay. kind of come clean and answer some questions about that. Yeah, yeah probably it won't happen, but... I think we have to be there asking those yeah. questions. Um, I, I, we could talk for hours. It's just really fascinating. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Good to be here. Really appreciate it. It's Fun. an honor. Uh, up next, the new bombshell exit from the White House. Hope Hicks stepping down as one of the president's closest, longest-serving advisors. A reporting on the possible connection to her admission, she told White Lies on behalf of the president and uh, what the president, what her, his response was to that admission. Coming up. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.